How many know that when you are, uh, when you're really hungry, anything tastes good, right? You have some two-minute noodles, you're starving, I'm eating that whole thing up. Doesn't matter if it's got the flavouring in it or not. When you're hungry, anything is good. And can I encourage you when you come to church to come to church hungry for the Word of God? That way, there's not so much pressure on my preaching, right? <laughs> so if it's not any good, you're so hungry, you're taken anyway, okay? So uh, we're going to jump straight in. We're in the we're at the very end of a series that we're calling. Uh, the anatomy of righteousness, okay? The anatomy of righteousness. This whole month of January, we've looked at uh, what does the person who's been made righteous, remember we talked about righteousness just being means being made right um, uh, with God. Like me and God, we're cool because we've been made right. So what does the person who's been made righteous look like? What is the anatomy of that person? And we spent the whole length of January talking about the anatomy of righteousness. Because we realise, right, that uh, no matter the things that we do with our hands or the things we can track or measure, like what we do with our New Year's resolutions, a weight goal, a financial goal, we can track and measure all those things. But the things that we can't track and the things we can't measure, things like our heart, our spirit, the health of our soul, these things can't be put on a spreadsheet, but we need those things to be healthy and in the good working order so all the other areas flow out of that space, right? Amen. Very good. I want to remind you that we can uh, know Bernie Sanders tonight, okay? No Bernie Sanders. It's last week's joke. I just reused it. So we're going to uh, the book of... Someone help me. The book of Psalms... This is a young, our youth ministry do this. We're trying to get excited about the Word of God, okay? The book of Psalms, chapter 51, starting in verse 10. That was a bit lame. Maybe next week you turn it up a little bit. I understand it's just one row of you, though, so good job anyway. Um, The book of Psalms, 51. I know that says 50. Uh, We're going to fire the screens, guy, okay? It's useless. It was me. I did it. Um, so the book of Psalms 51, and it's just this one verse I want to preach out of tonight, okay? So I just want to spend the next few minutes sitting in this one verse. We'll bounce around, and there's a couple of other scriptures I want to highlight, but I want to look at this one verse. So this is David writing, uh, King David, the psalmist, uh, the songwriter, the warrior, the fighter, the giant slayer. This guy, he, he wrote this psalm, he wrote this. He said, it's a prayer, okay? We're in 21 days of prayer. And this right here, this scripture, is a prayer to God that David wrote. And I want to finish our series this, uh, this month looking at this scripture. It says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. It's so short, I feel like we can read it again. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Me. Everyone say, within me. Within me. me. Turn to your neighbour and say, no, within me. No, within me. Tonight I want to talk about uh, the subject, uh, win from within. If you're a note taker, write that down. Win from within. We're going to pray right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come into this place right now. This wouldn't just be a cute sermon and just another thing that we hear, but God, radically do something in our lives tonight, God. Lord, we don't want to leave here the same. We're hungry for your word. We're hungry for your revelation tonight, Jesus. Help us to win from within. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. I hate renovations. Who's with me? Hands up. Okay, do it the other way. 
Hands up if you love renovating. You're like a renovator. It's a car, a house. Keep it up so I can judge you. Keep it straight up. One, two. What is wrong with you guys? I hate renovations. Renovations has got to be my one weakness, okay? Why is my wife laughing back then? It's not funny. Renovations has got to be my one weakness. I hate the idea of renovating, okay? My family, right? I have an older brother. He, he, him and his, his partner, they love to renovate. And I think... It's, it's demonic, really. I think it's demonic, let's be fair. They go and they buy houses that are all broken and tear down. They'll buy the house and they'll spend 12 months renovating this house, ripping out the carpet, laying new floors, painting the wall, fixing up this entire house. And I ask him, I'm like, what? why would you do that? That is the worst. For me, there's nothing else I can think I would rather not do Maybe go to hell, okay? There's hell renovating for me, okay? That's how bad it is. I hate renovating. And I began to think about that with this scripture because um, I, I think God hates renovating too. I don't think God is a renovator. Throw this verse back up. I, I want to go through this text here because I, I don't think God renovates, okay? I, I don't think he's into renovations. He's not a renovator. He's a creator. God isn't a renovator. He's a creator. I'm going to go through this verse nearly word by word. And I just want to pull out a couple of thoughts. All right. God is a creator. So the first point is create. Um, God doesn't renovate things. So what's renovations, right? It's, it says an existing structure that's there. And you go in and you fix up the ugly, the broken. You fix up the ugly structure and you just make it nice again. Right? You just take the old and you sort of make it new. I, 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 I came to realize that God isn't into renovation. He's into creation. Okay? And this is an important biblical fact because we realize that God isn't just trying to like make bad people good. He's actually trying to make new people come alive again. Right? God's not into taking the old and fixing a few patches in your life and painting the fresh you know, walls on the outside of you and making you all good. He actually wants to bring about a whole new person. I wrote it down like this, that God, he isn't interested in taking people and just turning them into nice Christians. Oh, I'm a nice Christian. He's not into nice Christians. He's into new creations, okay? He's not into just taking the bad and making it nice again. He wants to make something totally new. God isn't into renovations. He's into resurrections, okay? He's into bringing new life, new, new purpose, new being, new heart. He is into doing new things. And I did a, a, a little bit of a study on this word. This word create is actually the same word that's found in the book of Genesis chapter one, where it says in the beginning, God created. It, it's not like uh, in the beginning, God renovated the world. Oh, look at this world. It's so bad. It's so in shambles. There's holes, bad tenants before I'm coming in, right? I'm going to renovate this thing. He's saying, no, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to create something from nothing. Remember, we serve a God where there was nothing, and out of nothing, God made something. This is the God that we serve, the creator God. And so God isn't looking to renovate things. He, the Bible says that the old is gone, and the new has come. That the old is gone, and now the new has come. In the beginning, God created. When it comes to salvation, following Jesus, also when it comes to baptism, we're baptizing, um, when it comes to these things, it's not about renovating the old life, renovating the old mistakes, 
fixing up the old things. It's not about making the bad people good again or whatever. It's about giving you a whole new life. Listen, and you can't, if we're going to have the anatomy of righteousness, if we're going to live out and win from within, we can't do it on our own. Because only God can do this sort of creation. I can't just have nothing and then something happened, right? We can't take nothing and cause something to come from nothing. Only God can do that. And, and, and we've got to realize that, man, God is saying, I don't want to just fix up the old. I want to create something totally new. I want to give you a brand new heart. I want to do something new on the inside of you. Something new. Someone say new. new. Win from within. And where's he going to do this creating? Where's he not going to renovate? Where's he going to create? The Bible says, in me. In me. Turn to your neighbor and say, not you, me. And they'll say, no, not you, me. In me. He he, he says, I'm going to create in you. Uh, David says, create in me. Do something in me. I want you to realize tonight that the work that God wants you to do is in you. And this is different to us because oftentimes we're like, God, you need to do something out there, right? You need to fix my spouse. You need to fix my child. You need to fix my boss. God, you need to fix my financial situation. You've got to fix my debt. You've got to fix my paycheck. You've got to fix my house. You've got to fix this and you've got to fix that and that thing over there is broken. And God says, firstly and foremostly, I want to fix something in you. I want to fix your attitude. I want to fix your, your heart. I want, to, I want to fix something in you. I, I want to do something new in you. And this is an attitude change, a perspective change, because we're so often like, God, you know, when are you going to do that thing out there and make that thing happen? And God says, ah, oh, don't worry about that. What, I want to do something in you. The psalmist says also, he says, um, examine my life, God. In other words, I'm not going to hide from you. I don't, want to, I don't want to restrict myself from you. But God, look into my life. Uh, before anything happens on the outside of me, what do you want to do in me? And tonight, maybe that's some of us. God's calling you and he's saying, hey, I want to do a work in you. I want, to, I want to fix that thing. I want to heal that thing. I want to make something new inside of you. Don't worry about the external things right now. I want to do something in you. I want to bring resurrection power in you. I want to bring new purpose, new life into you. Amen? Amen. In you, in you. Win from within. And that's why this entire month of January, we've been looking at our uh, internal selves and asking God to do an in, uh, a, a win within, asking God to do something on the inside. Here's the thing. We all face battles, right? There's battles in our lives, there's storms. There's, there's things that, that, that we are engaged in that we're like, this is a battle in my mind, in my work, in my planet. It's a battle out there. And, and what I feel like Jesus is saying to us, he's saying, I don't want you to try and fight for a victory. I want you to fight from a victory. Do you realize the difference there? Fighting for a victory says, I'm here. There's my victory over there. I'm going to strive. I'm going to try. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to beat that thing. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to fight from, for victory. Where God says, I want to start the victory already in you. Uh, I want to do something in you. So you're not fighting for a victory. You're fighting from victory. You've already won because Jesus has already won. Am I right? And so we're standing in victory already. And now every battle we face, we can be flexible because we're already fighting from victory. God, you've already done the work. You've already won uh, within me. I've already won the battle, now I'm going to go out and take on that thing and take on that thing and take on that thing. And I realize I'm not fighting for you to do something. I'm fighting out of what you've already done. I want to win from within. Win your attitude. 
When your perspective, when your faith, when your security in Him, when your priority, every victory that's ex- that comes from the external battle starts with a win from within. Every victory you're going to have out there, the victory starts from a win from within. So create, God, I need you to create something, something fresh, something new in my life. Create something in me. In me, not out there. I'm not focused on their problems. I'm not focused on their issues. I'm not focused on how that's going on. God, I want you to do it in me. Here's my life. This is all I can do. I want to take ownership of my own growth. I want to take ownership of what's your, your, my calling and my purpose. God, I don't want you to fix it out there. Fix it in me. In me. Yeah. So what's he doing? Create. Let's go back. But create in me a pure heart. There's two things. This is the first thing the psalmist is saying. I want you to create in me. The first thing he's saying is create in me a pure heart. I pull this out here. And why is God so interested in, in the pure heart? I began to think, like, God, what's why the pure heart? Grace, you can join me as we finish up here. We're going to baptize in just a second, but I realized God's saying, create in me a pure heart. And I began to think about what does it mean to be pure? You know, straight away, maybe your mind goes to like um, pureness of like the body and things like that. and what you drink or who you hang out with or activities you may engage in. Like, we think that level of pure, but really, pure just means contamination, right? You think about the, the dogs and horses and stuff, like there's pure breads, it's the same species and the same species, and it's a pure bread or something like that. But I realise that then when it comes to our heart, our hearts can get so contaminated, right? There's, there's things in our heart that, that begin, you know, there's things like they, they get contaminated with greed, right? Some greed that gets in our heart. We get contaminated with some fear. We get contaminated with some um, uh, anger. We get contaminated with rejection. We get contaminated with some uh, uh, anger issues. We get contaminated with, with our, our thoughts. We get contaminated with envy. We get contaminated with worry. We get contaminated with fear and doubt. We get contaminated with bitterness. We've talked about bitterness. And then all of a sudden, our hearts become not so pure anymore. And we're like, God, what happened to my pure heart? There's butter beans, jalapeno and peach hot sauce and dry migraine in there, in my heart. I need to see a doctor if that's in your heart. We say, God, my heart is no longer pure. Like, and we realize, why is it important that God creates in us a pure heart? Why is it important that this is pure? Jesus tells us in the book of Matthew, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? For they will see God. You realize that the perfect God, free from all impurities, not contaminated, not mixed up with anything else, the perfect God requires us to be perfect. And this is the problem with sin because this is what sin does. It contaminates and it spoils and it mixes things that shouldn't be mixed. And now all of a sudden, our hearts are no longer pure. And the reason the blessed uh, hearts, those uh, we're blessed, those who are heart, because we're going to see God. We, we, we've got to have this pure heart if we're going to be able to connect with the perfect God. But the problem is we're contaminated by life and issues and problems and what they said and what I said about myself and, and, and what, I, what I felt like doing in the moment. And, and our hearts get contaminated until there is nothing left 
but impurities. And we're saying, God, create in me a pure heart. Here's the thing. The next verse, let's go back to this first one here. It says, create in me a pure heart, O God. So why does God have to do it? Why does God have to do it? Why does God have to create something new in me? Can't I, can't I do it myself? Can't I, can't I get in there and try and make this happen myself? Like, God, why, why does God have to do it? And the answer, the answer is because He's the only one that can. Because when we try and fix our mess ourselves, Amen. When we try and fix our mess ourselves, we might get some of the chunks out. We might have paid off that debt. We might have, you know, left that person or we might have dealt with that anxiety on a surface level. But there is never going to be a chance that we can create in ourselves a pure heart. Why? Because the new can never come from the now. I want you to write that down if you're into taking notes. The new cannot come out of the now. There is no way without God doing a miracle that this is going to turn into something new. No matter how much I try, I'm going to deal with that thing. Maybe I'll go to a new church. Maybe that'll make me feel better. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll drop that job and and do this. Maybe I'll stop looking at that and that will work. Listen, we can try and try, but what we do is we just end up making more mess and more mess. And we're like, God, how do I? I'm trying. My efforts are not working. My efforts, and it's, it's still dirty. God, why have I tried everything? and it's still dirty on the inside. Why do I still feel contaminated? Why do I still feel like it's not what you wanted it to be? The new can't come out of the now. New uh, accomplishments require new actions. If you're going to do something new and accomplish something you've never accomplished before, you can't do it with your now sort of actions. New anointings cannot be found with now level of sacrifice and obedience. You want a new anointing? You want to go to a new level? You're going to have to do things that you're not doing now. God says the now, the new can't produce, uh, can't come out of the now. We, we want to be people who says, God, I want a new heart. I want a new mind. I want a new eternal dialogue. I, I, I want something new in my life. But God, it's not going to come out of the now. It's not working. And the reason God has to do it, because we learnt He is the Creator. He doesn't fix the old. He's not coming with a strainer. Like, I'll get in there. He said yes to me. and I'll get in there and fix it. He says, I'm not going to worry about that. The new is gone. The old is gone. The new is here. Don't worry about that. Jesus dealt with that. Yeah, he's something totally new. The sin, the mess, the mistakes, I'm going to deal with that. It says... In Ezekiel, it says, and I will give you a fresh heart, a new heart. I'm not going to renovate the old. I'm not going to take it and clean it up, get in there with a scoop and scoop it out and fine tune it and boil it down until it's impure, pure again. I'm not going to do all of that. I'm just going to take the old and I'm going to give you something new. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. I'm going to take out your stony and your stubborn hearts. Anyone need God to take out some stony, stubborn hearts here? I'm going to take out the stones, a lot of things, and the stubborn hearts, and I am going to give you a tender and responsive heart. I'll ask you tonight, man, do you have a tender and responsive heart? Or is your heart full of junk and crabby and craggy and dirty and it's not jalapeno and peach hot sauce all through it? Or do you have a soft 
heart to the things of God. Do you have a tender heart to what God is doing? Do you have a responsive heart to the Spirit? Do you have something that's saying, God, I want, I want you to create in me a new heart. I don't want to do it the same as I did before. The band, the rest of the band can join me here. Rico. New heart. Catch it. I want to create a new heart in you. Create. God creates something out of nothing. And He's the only one that can do that. Create in me. God, you've got to fix on in me. Don't worry about out there for now, Kieran. Don't worry about what they're doing, what they're saying, the issues over there. Don't worry about any of that. God, just do something in me. And that's how I pray the prayer of our heart, not just for January, but every, every month, every time. God, do something new in me. Create in me a, a pure heart, God. My heart's a bit broken, a bit shattered, a bit dirty, a bit messed up. There's things in there, there's bitterness in there, there's hurt in there, there's unforgiveness in there, things that have happened and I haven't let go. And it's, uh, it, it's contaminating my pure heart. And I want to be blessed, I want to see you, I want to hear from you. I need a pure heart, God. And only you can do it, God. And renew a steadfast spirit. What does this mean? I don't know. No, I do. I'll share it with you. <laughs> Just make sure you're on your toes. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. To win from within, it's not just going to take a pure heart. It's going to take a strong spirit. A strong spirit. When I was building a house for the first time, how I started was mixing concrete. Mixing it up and I considered getting the, my, my concrete mixer up here and mixing some concrete on stage and pouring it out. And the, the reason you use concrete, right, to lay the foundation is because it's strong. It, it's, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to sway. It's not, it's not moving, right? It's steadfast. And God's saying, I want to put in you a steadfast spirit, a spirit inside of you that's not easily shaken, that's not easily swayed, that's not easily uh, uh, swayed by your own feelings or shaken by the fear of what's going on. I want you to have a spirit that's grounded in God's love. You can play, guys, we're about to worship in just a second. But the question is, why do we need a steadfast spirit? Why is it that we need this strong spirit? And you might be saying, Kieran, like I'm a Christian, like, so I'm already like saved. And you know what? If you're a believer, I believe you already have a new heart. If you've received Jesus, you've received the finished work on the cross. Jesus has already given you that pure heart that now Rico is holding. Just make sure to get that back before you leave. But we can be followers of Jesus and still have a swaying spirit. We can be followers of God and have a pure heart, but still have a, a sway in our heart. And the reason why it's important to have a steadfast spirit, and this is a new idea I'm going to introduce right now, so just stay with me. The reason we need a steadfast spirit is because it helps us keep the joy of our salvation. The joy of our salvation. The joy of our salvation. If you've been a Christian for several years or several decades, you know what I'm talking about. There are, there are times where it's so easy to lose the joy that you felt when you first received Jesus. The, the, the awe and the, 
the, the, the, the excitement in your heart of, I've just discovered the best news that could ever be discovered. And the joy that you felt in that moment and the passion that you felt in that moment, they're, 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 it's easy to lose that. It's not lose your salvation, it's lose the joy of your salvation. And the reason we need a steadfast spirit is because it helps keep us from having a swaying spirit. Two verses later from this verse in uh, Psalms 51, it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And no, no judgment, because this is King David. Okay, King David, he's saying to God, God, I've lost my joy of salvation. So you shouldn't feel condemned if that's you. And you're like, oh man, uh, you know, because maybe this is you. Maybe you've gone from... You know, in the praise and worship time, you're just like, God, Jesus, I just I just want more of you. Maybe you started there and now maybe you're like, Jesus, I just want this to stop, alright? I just want this to be over with. Can we get to the next part? And there's no judgment there because even King David felt that. But the 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 uh, the, the solution is a steadfast spirit. And if that's for you, that's my prayer for you tonight is we're going to baptize people in about three minutes and 34 seconds but until then I wonder if we would stand in this place and 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 have this opportunity maybe that's for you and you're saying Kieran maybe I've misplaced I would say I've lost it maybe I've misplaced my joy of salvation and the reason that is is because your spirit is swaying won't you stand and I want to open up the altar call here for just a few moments. And I want to allow you, we're going to sing this song, Jesus Over Everything, and we're going to ask God, would you, we're going to pray this prayer. You're going to pray this prayer together and say, God, can we just leave the prayer up there? The um, prayer to me. We're going to pray this. God, create in me. Do it in me right now, God. Uh, a new work, a new heart. Create it in me, God. Only you can do it, God. And restore a steadfast spirit within me. God, I want to stay hold of the, the joy of my salvation. What I felt back then, I want to feel it now. I want to search for you now. I'm hungry for you now. God, I want to do this right now, Jesus. Come on, let's begin to worship.
few moments, let me just explain what we're going to do. And then we'll do it. While we're baptizing people, we like to worship while we're doing that. So that altar, that moment right there, for you to renew your spirit and, and to find that joy of your salvation and reconnect with God in this last series of this last January, on this last Sunday of January, to set the rest of you up from a place of health and strength right now. If, if you know, we're going to celebrate the baptisms and stuff, but if I want to give you full permission, the band is just going to worship right now. Is your opportunity to just go hard up to God and seek God for a moment. But while we're doing that, I'm going to hand over to Bethany and, and I'm going to jump in there and, and baptize these guys. But actually, if you're getting baptized, why don't we come up here? If you just come up here, we'll just stand here. And the other thing is, just in the line there, guys, let's give these guys a round of applause. Come on. Let's praise God for what's going on in their life. That's an applause. Ask them for praise. Ask them for praise. Yes, sir. 